Event may be too intense for young children, and it's not recommended for children under the age of 13. No costumes or costume masks allowed. Discover Universal presents Halloween Horror Nights Haunted Tales, an anthology series exploring the stories behind Halloween Horror Nights' chilling original creations. Warning, what you're about to hear may be disturbing for some listeners. Discretion is advised. In today's episode, we'll hear from Charles Gray as he tells the tale of Bugs Eaten Alive, an original haunted house at Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights 2022. The latest and greatest development in household pest extermination technology unleashes a seething horror of creepy, crawly chaos. Here's Charles with Bugs Eaten Alive. His body was tight and breathing was difficult. Yet his head lolled loosely from left to right. Black nothingness began to recede and pale light crept under his lids. The haze over his eyes began to clear and the room came into view like a spinning kaleidoscope. His stomach clenched as if to empty itself, but his throat constricted, keeping all the contents at bay. The vertigo began to lessen as his eyes settled on the object across from him. Was it a punching bag? A sickly gray punching bag moving as if being pounded by a heavyweight boxer, but the pugilist was nowhere to be seen. Bert. Yes, that was his name and he was sure of it. Attempted to lift his hands to wipe his eyes clear. His arms were stuck tight against his body. He began to struggle, but jerked to a stop when he noticed the punching bag across from him was mirroring his movement. Bert's vision sharpened in that moment and his eyes squinted and then popped open in alarm. The swinging bag had a tear in its side and the exterminator badge, which all technicians wore with pride, sat nestled just beneath the, the tight wrappings. It looked like webbing. Clarity hit Bert hard in the gut. Images of the horrific morning snapped back into his mind's eye, one after another, like a slide projector out of control. Sweat began to form on his head, and a single drop traced across his forehead, all to trail towards his nose. It tickled his face, but the itching faded as the pressure in his chest began to grow. A sharp pain stabbed his chest, which grew tight, and the world was once black again. Barbara was nice and kind. She was beautiful, but that was not why all the technicians loved her. She would say hello to anyone who passed by. BuzzCon was lucky to have her as a spokeswoman, and Bert knew why. She could sell honey to a bee. This morning, she was extra excited and nervous. Hell, the whole group was. The entirety of Pavilion 31 was filled with BuzzCon's best. Today was the day that company rolled out their Exterminator product line at the World's Tech Fair. This invention was so advanced, BuzzCon built a concrete fortress in the large tent, housing all the on-site labs and equipment, ten months before the fair began to open its gates to potential buyers. No amount of money was too much to invest for this momentous occasion. Exterminator was the biggest new thing. A culture shift was about to occur and investors from around the world threw money at BuzzCon stocks and lined up to be the first to see the Exterminator Home Environment Unit in action. Bert checked in early that day, like a good trainer should. The pay wasn't great, 
but being a part of something innovative and revolutionary excited him. Anytime he started to feel sorry for himself, Barbara would just pass on by with her smile and his soul felt rejuvenated. She was the avatar of hope and promise, the embodiment of exterminaire. Today she beamed and everyone around her glowed, reflecting her positivity. Bert checked the pipes in the showroom. Each label was crisp and new with simple words like ants, roaches, spiders wrapped around the cylinders. Bottles of the pesticide with new improved formula, as Barbara was taught to say, lined the display wall and Bert chuckled as he finished his inspection. What's so funny, Bert? Barbara inquired. Now with fresh pine scent. Huh, Bert read off the bottle. You really think that is necessary? Barbara patted his shoulder in a lightly condescending manner, but Bert grew warm with the minor connection. Marketing says it's the top scent preferred by housewives, and the women of 1952 are in charge of the pocketbook, mister. She winked and moved on. Pressure gauges on the unit read level, and all was right with the world. Barbara remembered his name. Bert left the showroom and Barbara, who was practicing her show moments while the voiceover described the central air unit of the future. Bert was impressed by the ability to cool and heat a home with one unit. That technology didn't even exist yet. But the idea that that same unit could get rid of all the bugs in the home was outstanding. The swinging doors of the lab just missed his face as a scientist rushed by. If it rained, these people would drown their noses were so far up in the air. Yes, they invented the technology, but it was Bert and his crew that kept it going. He peeked into the lab with each swing of the door and caught glimpses of the crazy world he would never be a part of. Test tubes and microscopes filled the tables. Large tanks filled to the brim with insects of every kind lined the walls. Bert followed the pipes out of the room and down the hall to his area. He was greeted by his team and the new guy. Bert immediately didn't like him. His hair was a bit too long. It nearly covered his ears. What was this world coming to? All right, everybody. We're close to opening. Everything checks out, right? All hands gave a thumbs up and Bert nodded. He would check it again anyway. But having double and triple checks were the way to keep things safe and running smoothly. My name is David Hendricks, but you can call me Davy, sir. The young trainee thrust his hand out for a shake. All right, Hendricks, follow me. Bert quickly shook Hendricks' hand and moved past him. At least he said, sir. Portals lined the utility hall, each serving as a new port to a different terrarium. Overhead pipes ran from the lab-based terrariums and fed into the showrooms that would demonstrate the power of the exterminaire pesticide. Hendricks started and then relaxed as a statuesque mannequin family appeared. The plasticine quartet stood frozen mid-smile, as if a joke simultaneously hit their funny bones. B-side, the plucky mascot of Exterminaire graced the sign at the entrance to the showroom, extolling the wonders of Exterminaire and warned ants to stay away. The unit and the pipes all passed Bert's test, and boxes were checked. Satisfied, Bert placed his small screwdriver in his pocket and stood up to walk out. Hendricks pointed to one of the overhead pipes, where does this one lead to? That, Bert grumbled, is the pressure release. It helps to keep the ratio of bugs and poison at just the right level. Either those ingredients spike, boom, the pipe sucks out the excess. 
Bert led Hendricks back into the thick concrete hallways that bordered each showroom. He heard the cheers from the front of the pavilion inside. Barbara would be showing off the wares and wonders to the investors while he, the technician, just waited for the go-ahead to close up shop. This would be a long day, but after it was done, he was sure to get a bonus. Down the hall, Hendricks had stopped in his tracks. He stared up at the maze of pipes that created the crowded ceiling overhead. One was shaking. The ping-ping sound in the large pipe quickly turned into a low rumble. Bert yelled, Turn on the PSI now! Hendricks obeyed and turned the pressure knob. To Bert's horror, Hendricks had turned it the wrong way. Knob turning was not part of today's training, and that was unfortunate. The pipe exploded, and BuzzCon's new and improved pesticide poured all over Hendricks. The green fog filled the room. Wandering scientists near Hendricks joined him in what could have been best described as a strange dance. They, they twisted and turned with their faces contorted, eyes bulged. Bert and the technicians grabbed filter masks and fled, while the others stood shocked as the green death crept towards them. Bert and two others jumped into the nearest door, while the gawkers joined the Dance of the Dead. The fog was thick, but Bert could still see through the thick safety glass of the lab doors as they sealed. He felt a tightening in his throat, but told his body to stop. He wouldn't let the unfolding horrors make him vomit, and so he looked away. The controls were in the hallway, and the fog was still pouring out as the final screams died out. Glass shattered, and he looked out into the hallway again. Bugs poured out of the broken pipes and shattered terrariums into the gas-filled hall. Emergency beacons, the, the lights, they swirled in time with the alarm as they blared in this perfect rhythm. Lights bounced off the floor of the hallway. The floor surged and roiled with bugs. The carapace and wings caught the light, creating a wave resembling an oil spill. The mass moved towards the lab door. People were squeamish about bugs, but they were just little bugs and the pesticide should kill them, right? Bert heard one of the scientists calling for help on the phone and chuckled when the man screamed for the army or the police to help. His laugh abruptly stopped, though, when the first spider slammed against the door. The fist-sized bug hit the glass with such force that a crack appeared and slowly grew in front of Bert's face. That spider was big, and Bert clearly saw his reflection in its hundred-eye stare. He gulped and stepped back. Get anyone on the line, he barked. A woman screamed, and then a hush settled over the room. Bert followed the gaze of the group to the far side of the lab. A large terrarium or containment units were, were beginning to crack. Bert thought that they would be safe in the sealed room, but had forgotten that the origin of the bug-filled pipes were in this room where he stood. The lab. Each large unit held an insect population that had already doubled in size. Roaches as big as loaves of bread ceased to move as their bodies pressed against the glass. The sound of popping grew louder by the second. It was beginning to be difficult to see into the terrariums. They were quickly filling with bug guts. Cracks began to form on the units as the pressure of the bugs' bodies quickly grew. 
Bert scanned the room for another way out. The twin set of glass portals on both doors were brown and black, with a wall of insects crawling over them. Bert shuddered and then turned his gaze away from a millipede that scurried across one exit door. Each of the creature's legs were longer than a man-sized finger. One scientist grabbed a chair and climbed atop of this makeshift ladder to reach the overhead air filtration duct. This was the only room that had such a modern device. They called it temperature control for lab equipment. (laughs) Bert called it unnecessary until now. He passed his screwdriver to the lab coat wearing savior. After the screws dropped to the floor, Bert put the screwdriver back in his pocket and rubbed his hands together. A strange sound scurried into Bert's ear, and when he recognized it and screamed at the scientists to stop, but it was too late. The deed was done. The plate gave way and slammed to the floor, followed by a flow of maggots. They tumbled and poured over the man. His scream strangled to a stop as his throat filled with the squirming larva. Bert noticed the large white infant bugs had nasty pinchers and they were crawling towards anyone nearby. The once industrious savior was now a twitching mass on the floor as squirming maggots flooded over and through his flesh. Other large insects followed the maggots from the vent and scattered across the floor. Bert punched the glass case near the door, hoisted the fireman's axe and readied himself for whatever horror attacked next. A chill ran down his spine as each scream died out around the room. A handful of survivors stood, huddled, in the only clear area of the massacre. The group backed up with handheld weapons until their backs were against the wall. The bug-covered door stood next to them, daring them to try and open it. Bert knew the temptation to try and get out death's door was shared in their collective minds, but luckily, this ragged bunch was smarter than the flight urge. They would stand and fight the growing horde. Time froze around Bert as the next events occurred all in an instant. The squirming mass reached their feet as the door gave way under the intense pressure of the swarming masses. Insects of every kind flew, crawled, skittered, and plunged into the lab. Each member of the group was overwhelmed and brought down screaming. Bert swung his axe, severing a creature that looked like a mix between a fly and a crab. Each half of the monstrosity flew in separate directions, spewing green fluid over a nearby survivor who screamed and began to melt. Bert readied himself for the next attacker and turned to meet a blur in his periphery, a spider. The size of a small dog launched from across the room and covered Bert's head, blinding him. Bert swung the axe a few times before the venom dropped him into unconsciousness. Bert awoke with a start. He was in that tight cocoon again, and as his vision cleared, he saw a man struggling across from him, mewling like a weak kitten. The man appeared to have severe acne, but then the greater horror revealed itself as the red marks burst open on his face. Holes, holes across his face. It began to look like a honeycomb, and then he let out a scream that trailed off until the only sound was what Bert could describe as the stirring of sticky casserole. Small larvae pushed out of each hole and began crawling across his head. His features 
now alive with frantic activity, quickly grew and then receded into what looked like a pop balloon. Bert felt a burst of adrenaline that took him over, as if he were being puppeted by another self. His hands remembered the screwdriver in his pocket. His fingers slowly burrowed into his jumpsuit, and then he slowly again and surgically pulled it out so as not to drop it. His sweaty fingers lost it at one point, but the sticky threads around him worked to keep it tight to his body until he could recover it again against his hip. Spiders moved about the room, all of them different shapes and sizes. Each arachnid was individual in look except for some element of green that mirrored the hue of the exterminator gas that was supposed to be their demise. Damn you, Buzzcon. The screwdriver cut and pushed the sticky threads bit by bit until Bert could move his hand with more freedom. He worked steadily while not shaking too much. He watched as each cocoon around him was swarmed, when the poor souls inside began to struggle and thrash. All the connecting spinnerets would send a message to spiders, and they would move in for the draining. It was horrible to watch, but Bert's face was stuck like a piece of gum on the floor of a movie theater, forced to watch each horrific death. It gave him the wisdom to move with slow purpose. Once his arm was free, he slowly moved it up to his head and neck, and then moved onto his legs. He was tempted to move quicker, as the bodies around him either exploded with newborn creatures or were sucked dry, but he felt the thousand unblinking eyes watching him, and so he cut with precision and slow patience. After what seemed like an eternity, he slowly stepped down with his first leg and placed it on the floor. The remnants of the cocoon adhesive kept him floating while he worked. He waited when he lowered his other leg for the next victim to pull focus. His heart dropped as he surveyed the room. All the other bodies were disposed. No sign of life remained, and he felt his anger grow. Did I just waste my time? Should I have worked faster? No. No, it would have ended badly, and he wouldn't have made it this far. Getting out of the room was impossible, though, without a distraction. A slight movement caught his left eye as he readied himself for the end. The Buzzcon badge gave him hope. Another survivor was still with him. He heard the low voice say, Help me. Please. Nothing moved towards the noise and Bert began to panic. Acting on instinct, he threw the screwdriver at the survivor's head. The screwdriver hit the man square in the face whose cocoon began to shift and squirm, yet he didn't make a noise. Bert held his breath, partly because he was shocked that he did such an evil thing, and also surprised that the movement didn't bring on the swarm. And then he felt it, a shift in the webbing around the room and lumber creaking. A large mass above unfurled eight long hairy legs. The behemoth's skin was sickly pale, yellow with green spots. It was larger than a full-grown man. It grabbed the wiggling cocoon and began to pull it towards its dripping mandibles. Bert sprinted towards the room's exit. 
He knew this pavilion layout better than anyone and moved with a purpose. His drug mind and sticky legs didn't hold back his last burst of survival instinct. He dodged bugs, moved quickly past wasp nests and honeycombs filled with pulsing larvae. He heard pursuit and tried but couldn't block out the screams behind him. Worse was a snap and crunch that was followed by a momentary slurping sound. He found the boiler room. That was one hallway away from freedom. He pushed open the door and slammed it shut behind him. His shoulders slumped as he viewed the slime-covered wall that blocked the exit door. The wall shifted. It was the thorax of a giant monstrosity. It grabbed him with six-foot-long claws and drew him high into the air. He let out a quick cry before the giant nightmare bit off his head. It settled back into its nesting place as it chewed the last bits of Bert and continued to lay eggs.